Honestly. You're a, you're a someone's, getting sacked, someone's getting fired for this. Joanne's getting sacked for this for me telling her the wrong time. Right, we're on, bro, we're on. Yeah, uh, apologies to anybody who was, who was waiting for uh, for the 6pm and then the early schedule. That's my fault. <laughs> we had, <clears throat> my fault. We had a bit of a, bit of a technical error, didn't we, Steve? Uh, 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 yeah, yeah, we had a technical error, yeah. You told, me the, you told me the wrong time. <laughs> <laughs> right, now I'm going to tell the truth. You know what, Steve, Steve's probably one of the best timekeepers I know. Like Steve's always early, and then for this podcast, we, we got. And I, I'd listen, and I would have been early for the time that I had it. Oh, would you? <laughs> That's yeah. what I, said today. I said when I messaged you, I was like, "Yeah, I'm going to get there for half seven to get set up." No, yeah, I should have double checked. Should I? Is I'll this is this light terrible? Uh, is it flickering? Yeah, Mine's all right, my side, but you can mess about with yours, bro. Oh, oh. that's better, mate. Love the better, setup. Yeah, I like the setup, mate. I like the setup. Anyway, bro, how are you? Um, yeah, I'm all right, mate. I'm good. I'm I'm, I'm busy. Busy as, as in yeah, we're just, we're just we're just busy, mate. It's, it's that um, our industry in particular has has thrived, um, and yeah, too, too much work, not enough staff. Um, they just yeah, they've got all the all the first world problems that go with. Uh, that, that what we do, yeah, but I'm, I'm good, mate. But things are things are really, really good. I, I certainly can't complain. So, dude, you dropped me a. Vi- I'm going to put you on the spot, here, dude. You dropped me a video a few weeks back. Yeah, do you remember which one it was? Uh, so, if you're asking me, I'm now 23 days, no booze, no fags. Good man, dude. What what brought you to that decision to uh, not booze on the head for a bit? Because we'll get into this. Uh, but it's something you've, uh, you've something you've tried to give up before, right? Or do in moderation, rather, should I say? Yeah. So, 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 so you've you've known me for probably best nine or four years. So, um, I was, you know, and and for a very very long time, it was just part of my character and part of who I was. You know, I was big stay. I was always the one. You know, first in the pub, last out of the pub, uh, always up for a laugh. Um, and that kind of defines you for a little bit. And and, and I always, you know, the, the I've got my shit together in my life in every way apart from getting a handle on my weight. Now that the the best kind of, the, the the best kind of shape I've been in was when I was 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 in DX, believe it or not. And and, and that I know, I know, I know, I know. Um well, listen, it 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 goes through it's gone through phases, and so the and the, the phases generally the best results I see are when I'm not drinking. So, but bear in mind, I would be drinking, with no exaggeration to say, probably, there would probably be a day in the year that I wouldn't drink, and it was probably if I was ill. So I would drink, you know, best part of 365 days a year. Uh, varying from that might just be a couple of pints after work on a Monday to 20 pints on a, on a Friday or Saturday. Um and that that was just just what I did, and it was just part of part of the culture and part of. And I used to say things like, you know, because <clears throat> I've obviously, you know, and I'm sure we're going to talk about. I've I've managed to give up some, you know, so, some other vices in my life. And I used to be like, listen, you've took me fags, you've took me fun, you've took me drugs. Fucking leave my drink alone. Yeah, it's mine, and I'm having it, and you can can all fuck off a lot of you. And and it, and, it, and you know, it was always masked with humour, but. 2020, when we went into lockdown, 
I made it my, we, we all, I, I joined an accountability group with a couple of guys that are in, are in DX now, Graham and a couple of others. Um, and great, it was actually Graham, Graham Richardson, who we were sat at a table at a quarterly last December, sorry, December before, and he said, we were just talking, we laugh about this now, and, and he says to me, um, he said, um, oh, I give up drinking for a year, so it's easy. And I was like, you the fuck's this dickhead? Why would you come out with something like that as if? Yeah, and, and we, we joke about that. And, and, and But then what happened was it, that stirred, started up a conversation. And it, I had so much resistance to the even thought of giving up drinking. I was like, well, I don't want to. I was avoiding him. And then, anyway, he kind of tracked me down. He was like, listen, we're going to set up a WhatsApp group. We're going to do this quarter with no booze. It's like, right, okay. So up for a challenge. So anyway... Long story short is 2020, because we're in lockdown, it was, it was easier because it was no, it's very much a social thing for me. So I love being out with the lads. You know, you, you, you know yourself, but when we have our meetups for, for, in our coaching programme, I love that being around people and and I just always associate the two together. So when we were in lockdown, it wasn't as difficult as I thought it would be because there is a level of alcoholism. You know, I used to joke and say, I'm not an alcoholic because alcoholics go to meetings. I'm a drunk. Yeah. So... But there was a level of alcoholism there because, you know, could I, I didn't think I could do a week without a drink. So it was a challenge for me. Did some sustained periods of time. So I would allow them myself, say, 85 days out of 90 without a drink. So but that would give me five days through that quarter to, to have a drink. So it might be every other weekend or... Um, the fact remains that all my bad decisions and all my bad choices are made food choices, everything, you know, I could, I could, we, we've spoke about this, this calorie deficit thing. I can easily stay within a calorie deficit with food. And then I would add 15 cans of cider to the mix. And it, and it just, it just, and then a kebab and then, you know, some chocolate or, you know, <laughs> I knew what the problem was, but I just wasn't ready to, to, to stop doing it. So what have you learned in, I know it's only a short period, but 23 days is, is, is some going. For somebody who's drunk like, for, for most days of their life, now you've gone 23 days again. I know you've had your your, your periods without it, but what, what would you say you've learned? And what, what, what's the biggest difference, man? Like, what, how do you generally like feel? Like, what, what is the, the difference if it's been flagged up yet? Um, so so just kind of out, out and this is going to sound fucking horrendous. So just how reactive I am with, with the kids, really. Well, not just the kids, the staff, um, you know, my wife, um, just everyone. I, I, I just, you know, I, I once said to Paul, I was like, I don't get, you know, I, I don't get, I don't get hangovers. And he was like, you've just forgot what feeling good feels like. So although I wouldn't wake up with like a, you know, a banging head or anything like that, I would just be, you know, you, just, you know, you just know. So I didn't know because it was just normal to me. That's, that's how I, just, how I thought everyone felt. That's, that was just normal. And, and then, Stopping it for a little bit has been like, well, actually, wow, this is, you know, this this is, you know, energy levels. And, you know, when the kids ask me to do something, instead of me fobbing them off, oh, no, just go and play, go and watch your tablets. You know, dad, we take us out on our bike. Yeah, of course I will, son, no problem. So so that, and, and you know, and, and they got a little taste of that. The problem is they got a little bit of a taste of that during 2020 because there was some long periods of time that I did. And obviously, I think in 2020, I think, I think I had a drink somewhere around about 35 days off 2020. I had a, I had a beer. So, so they got a lot of time with me. 
And then we kind of hit, you know, what we all thought was going to be freedom year. You know, we hit New Year. It actually hit Christmas of 2020 and I drank every day from kind of the works Christmas party, which I threw for the for the staff. I think I was drunk from then till the 3rd of Jan. So like for a month, I was just drunk. And then it just spiralled from there. Um, my weight as well fluctuates really quickly. So, um, I mean, it's at the high end anyway, as you know, but I could literally, it could take me, say, three months to get down to and really start, people start to notice. I can still feel it in my training. Just to, And then if I go on a bender for a week, it's, it's, it's back. I can put three stone on in in a fortnight, easy. So you've now decided that, that that's it. Like, booze is done. I'm finished with that. For the foreseeable future, it's gone. Yeah. 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 Was it, Surely, like, I always think, because I think about that challenge, you know, the one year no beer, and I don't drink that much, but the thought of it's quite intimidating. Like, I think the... the... So, so I'll tell you what happened now. We went to, I met up, we had an unofficial meet-up with um, my accountability group, which is Chris, Chris Sheer, Matt McPake, Matt Brinley, Crawford and um we went we met up in Harrogate well 22 days ago and um Matt had been doing Matt had been doing um he was he was he'd done some time and he'd he had a what we always used to do is we'd go when we were doing no booze we'd go right we won't have any more booze till we meet in the quarterly and then when we meet we could all go out and we could have a good time and what had happened is I'd I'd go, well, I'm gonna do the quarterly and I've got a family barbecue on the 15th, so I'm gonna do that. And then what had happened is on the 14th, because I was going out on the 15th, and I had a drink on the 14th, and then a drink on the 16th, like either side of it, a drink the night before my holiday, drink the night before the quarterly, and it just used to creep back in. So Matt turned up, and Matt, you know, Matt, Matt, Matt loves a loves a drink and a socialise. And we went to the we, me and Matt were already at the hotel and, and we were sat, we had a couple of beers, and Matt walked in and ordered a, a bottle of water, and I was like, Oh, hello. And and so I said, listen, so it's not a thing. Obviously, you know, we'll get the we'll get the, the name calling out of the way and the, the wind-ups. Are you drinking? And he was like, I'm gonna try not to. And I was like, Well, you know, fair play to you. But he wasn't actually that polite. We, we give him some shit. <laughs> and um so and we we did, we'd agreed that we would go to this kind of meeting, and I was thinking this was gonna be like a, a social a piss up weekend, basically. It's unofficial. There's no, there's no kind of physical side of it. We were just going to go on the piss. So on the Saturday morning, we get up. We get up and we... Um, sorry, on the Sunday morning. We stayed Saturday and Sunday night. Um, so on the sun, we got up and trained Saturday morning. We went down to the gym in the hotel. We trained. And then we went and sat in this. We got There was this like big room. And we, went, we sat in there for eight hours. And we we decided we would be honest with each other. So I had my journal. So bear in mind, I was supposed to be doing 85 out of 90 days, no booze. So the box that says, what could you have handled better today? Said booze. The day after said booze. The day after said booze. The day after said, I was like, listen, there's no point in me lying. I'm, I'm, I'm back. I'm, I'm, it's exactly how it was before. Um, I'm not doing what I said I would, you know, and, and I think, it, I think this is the, the problem. And, they fucking were, they were ruthless. And I thought I was just going to get away with kind of going, so, you know, I'll address it. And the same old story, you know, making a few empty promises. And they just went in on me and they went in on me and they went in on me until the end. I was just in floods of tears. And I was, you know, it was, I was like, you know, I always mask it with humour, but, but, you know, my, my, my weight and, and my, 
my appearance is is is, is uncomfortable and it's embarrassing. Um, and it was difficult. It was difficult for me to kind of admit that. And because of, so so I, I so I kind of bulldozed my way through the room and through the crowd. But they just were relentless, and then we started talking about and and it went from being something I thought about to talking about you know walking my daughter down the aisle and. I was like, wow, what, what are you talking about? You know, and at the end of the day, I'm 12 stone overweight. Um, well, according to my BMI, you know, I'm probably not 12 stone overweight. Um, but I'm certainly significantly overweight. Um, you know, I was smoking, drinking, um, not in the, you know, I tr- listen, I train and, and, and I show up to train uh, five days a week, but, but you can't out train, you know this, you can't out train a bad diet. And and it all and I kept trying to swear I kept trying to make it about the food, and they kept bringing it back to the bear, and I was like, "Fuck off with that, <laughs> leave my bear alone." <laughs> and well, and we I went mean, out that night, and we went to a club, like a club, and it was full of fucking kids and plastic fucking gangsters, and I was like, I sat there thinking, Do you know what? Maybe it's just time. Yeah. And and I had we hadn't I kind of announced this, and I got up in the morning, and I was like, the only way I can do this is to say, fucking that is it. I said, but the problem I've got is, I'm like, well, we've got a quarterly on the 1st of October, so should we do it after that? Although, because then we've got a pause live event on the 29th of October, should we do it after that? Actually, we've got the Christmas party. Then I've got Ibiza in April on a stag do, 30 of us. And then I'm taking my dad to Vegas in May. And I'm like, how does that look without a drink? And then they started to kind of go, well, you know, I said, how does Christmas, the thought of Christmas with... The thing for me, Alex, is, and this is what we delved into, is I've always associated drinking with, with happy times. So um, every family event, every, you know, my fam- my mum, my dad, all, all the family were big drinks. We'd go around to my grands, there'd be a big fucking white doily on the table full of bottles and, and it, all the kind of happy memories in my life have revolved around everyone being fucking smashed. Yeah. It's just been kind of part of who I am. And so, and listen, I've had some horrendous resistance of people who are family members about this. Um, some, you know, and, and listen, we know they're doing the best with what they've got, but um, it's kind of helped me. It's really hard to explain, but I just I feel like this is the, has been the only way I could have done it. And I honestly feel like I'm going to do it. I feel like I'm going to go to Ibiza on a stag day with 30 lads and, and, and drink water. Yeah. And that, that's for real. I know, I know, I know what you mean. I think there'll be a lot of people who are listening to this going, yeah, I can't imagine my birthday without a drink either or, or my Christmas. Mate, I can't. I don't drink that much, but Christmas is about food, drink and family. That That's what we do. But I don't know if you've ever heard this phrase, Steve, where it says like the problem is always the goal. So Jordan Peterson says this, he's, you know, if you highlight your biggest problems and look at them so that, you, you know, yours was booze, he's like, that has to become the goal, which is exactly what you've made it. Mate, I don't think there's many guys out there that would sit there with a journal, work through this stuff, keep bringing it to the front and then actually get a handle on it. Cause you've, you've obviously done that with other voices as well. Right. Oh mate. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, the, 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 those were kind of, th- this was always kind of a, um, you know, I think they're all connected as well. You know, I, you know, I, I've, I've never been out and scored sober, mm. you know, in like years ago, obviously when it, when it was a different kind of habit, but you know, when it, so yeah, you know, we're into, once I kind of, we'll call it, grow, grew up a bit, I was still, you know, dabbling and having a, you know, a, a, a sniff every now and again. And, and that was always around being pissed. And then 
once I kind of got into that state, I would then be like, well, I can't go home because she's going to know. So I would fuck off. And, and it'd be like, you know, I have a family and, and kids and fucking, like you're a grown man and you're fucking disappearing and, you know, like like a fucking deviant. And it, and it was all a big, you know, and I keep having these little moments of, um, you know, every every fight, every bit of trouble, every everything that we've ever done that's that's been ridiculous. Smashed my mother-in-law's kitchen up once, completely blacked out. Smashed the house up with her. I don't live. They put me up. I was sleeping in my car at the time, and they put me up. I'd only just got with her. Went back to her house. We had a row, and I smashed the house up. And mum's out. It's like you know, come on. When I look, when I look at my behaviour now, now, now I'm going on that 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 kind of drunk doesn't happen anymore. But there are still. I can when I've had a drink, and sometimes if me and Kaz have words or or, or I come in work, something's going on. I can hear the way I'm, I can almost, it's almost like watching myself and, and my behaviour is fucking disgusting. I, I'm, I'm aggressive and I'm, you know, I'm fucking, I'm in a face and, and, and it's like, you know, not because I'm trying to scare her, just because I'm fucking, and it comes, and, and I, I never used to be that kind of drunk. So when, I, when I'd had a drink, I used to be, you know, I used to be playful and, um, you know, I was a happy drunk, and and more recently, it's become less and less so. So, and I'm and I'm honestly, and I I went for a walk on Sunday with a friend of mine because obviously we don't go for a drink anymore. And he was like, and that that's it. That's one kind of thing that really has shone through it. So, this is a lad we would normally go. I would normally go meet once a month for a drink. And he was like, well, if we're not going to go for a drink, you know, let's at least still meet up and go for a walk. So that's what we did. And he was like, you know, what's brought it on? Like your life and, and and people, do you know that when I've told people what's happened is, I can tell the immediate response is, well, how's this going to affect me and my time with you? You know, and he was like, oh, and when I first told one, he was like, well, what about when I get married? I'm best man at his wedding. I was like, well, can I not be best man at your wedding if I'm not pissed? And the first night we went out to arrange the stag do and talk about some stuff and it was the first this would we'd start I'd stop drinking on the, that weekend and this was on the Thursday. And I was gonna cancel. And then my stepdad said to me, The thing with you is this. I said, I'll have to remove myself from some social occasions to start with. Like I didn't go out for the football. Um but I don't want to cut myself off completely because if I, then I'll feel like I'm being punished, and that's when it's gonna go. And my stepdad was like, You can be just as good a company, you know without a drink, you know, you're not, you're not shy. You, 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 you know, you, you still put the life and soul of the party. You still need to make sure that you're going out and meeting the lads and enjoying yourself and just have, you know, alcohol free beer. So I went out on this Thursday and then um, he'd come up with me mate from, he lives about 60 miles away and he'd come up to stay at his mum's because we were going to go out and, and go for a Chinese and have a beer. And he was really offended that I was stood basically saying to him, listen, this, this the other thing, guys. I know it could very easily get a grip of me. If that makes sense. Yep. It, it, it you know, it, if I'm ever having, you know, what I would consider dark thoughts, probably not about what other people consider dark thoughts. It, it, it would stem from the booze, and I, and I kind of that's how I sold it. And I was like, listen, it's there's a time. It's just come that time where I need to, you know, I need to have control of it, not the other way around. And he was like, really fucking upset. 
And I was, and I was like, well, I don't understand why you're so fair fucking. And he, and he had a little strop and I said, listen, you know, let, let, let's go out. Let's still do what we were planning. We had the Chinese. We're like, right, what we're doing now? I said, well, we'll go back to the pub. That's what you like to do. So we, we go back. We had, I had a few alcohol free beers. By this point, he's smashed. That's been an, an eye opener, watching everyone else drunk when you're not. And, um, you know, and I, I made the point of staying out. So I was like, do you want another drink? Do you want another drink? I was drinking these fucking alcohol free things. And at the end of the night, I said to him, let me ask you something. I said, has it made any difference to your night whatsoever that I've, I've not been pissed? And he just went, yeah, I can have a lift on. <laughs> I was like, well, there you go. Yeah, well, you know what they say about change, man. Like it's, it's hard for you, but it's harder. It's going to be harder for the people around you. Yeah, I, I get that. But again, I think if we weren't ready to give up the booze, it was our best mate giving it up. I think, you know, if I'm totally it's honest, I wouldn't like it either. No. I wouldn't like it either. I wonder how many of your friends you're going to lose. I wonder how many friends people lose when they knock something like drugs or booze on the head. Well, I, I had to completely change. You know, I, I removed myself from an air, a whole area at one, when, when you know when when I gave the, the drugs up and or, or and I. But I tell you, it's almost like these things kind of dropped into place because what happened was during lockdown. Kaz was really it affected Caroline quite badly, and she, um, she was a real stickler for the rules, and it was you know everything was done to the book, and we had friends that were still meeting up in secret, and you know having parties, and 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 it caused this real divide, and, and I remember dropped in the group at one point, and I was like, I'm gonna have to turn my back on quite a lot of people here who, who I thought were my friends, who aren't my fucking friends, they've been talking shit, you know, I fell out with a couple of them, and. Kind of this realization, and this is what I said to to to, to Matt on on Sunday of this walk, and I was like, you know, we were talking about another lad who we know, and he said, "Oh, you're going to his birthday." It was he's forty, and I went, "I'm not going to go." I said, "I haven't seen him for eighteen months. You know, never made any effort during lockdown. Neither of us did. It's just not my type of person anymore." And and I was like, "And you know what? That's okay. I think we think we have to. You know, I've, I'm probably on my fourth group of main group of friends since I was a." teenager yeah and i think we, we we put this thing on it and i was like you know of all the people i met when i moved up where i'm living now which is where kaz is from up in Glossop, i i met this group of people her mum and dad were on a pub so I, I met this group of people in that pub and and i said you know when we they became my i was kind of the outsider they became my group of friends but now you know the the as we kind of grow ourselves. So that was 16 years ago. So now the, the only two I'm really close to are successful business owners. And, and I'm not close to them because they're successful business owners, but we just have things to talk about and things in common that I don't, you know, some like this lad who's 40, he, he's having, he's doing a fancy, a, a superhero's fancy dress party, you know, and, it, and it'll be, you know, the Jaeger training. And that's great, you know, crack on. But I'm like, come on. <laughs> so what I'm trying to say is, I think I'm just getting fucking old. I am. I think I'm just old. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think you get less and less friends as you get older, don't you? Say so your, your social circle becomes smaller and smaller. I'm certainly, I'm finding. I thought, I thought my so you know, and then and then I'll meet up with the, with the guys. I will come to you know, me come and meet you guys, and the, and I'm like, these these, these are my people now these are my and that sounds really far-fetched but i'm like you know i get so much from 
a fucking 20 minute conversation with you. And then I go out and sit with these people I've known for 16 years and I'm looking and thinking, who the fuck are you people? So honestly, and it was getting to the point where, you know, I'm, I'm not very tactful as you know, and I'm like, it's one last, and, and he starts telling me something, I'm like, is this a long story? Because I can't be asked listening to you. And 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 Kaz is like, what are you doing? You can't speak to people like, and I'm like, you know, I just my tolerance for, and again, but this was because I was pissed. You see, like that's just rude. You know, it, it, the the way I would treat you, and she'd say sometimes she'd say we'd be out and someone would be talking, you'd turn around and walk off. <laughs> she'd be like, she said, I'm apologising for you, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't, and I don't even know I'm doing it. So my behaviour just started to be. Um, yeah, not great. And, and like you say, I think it's almost like when we look back on our lives, you can kind of, I can segment my life into kind of your school life and then this section of your life and this section of your life. And I think this is just the start of the next part of it. Yeah, absolutely. And what you said at the start was interesting. I think every guy listening to this will probably look back and look at all their shit decisions and the majority of them will have come from from places of being pissed. Like, you know, if, if you're going to cheat on your partner, it's more likely to be happening when you're drunk than when you're sober, right? Yeah. And, and again, I think that's when we have to start looking at those and start questioning whether it's whether it's worth it. Because, yeah, too too much of what we love will ultimately destroy us in the end, I think. And I think booze happens a lot. In fact, I heard this thing, it was interesting the other day, they said booze is the only drug where, like, you're the fucking weirdo if you're not taking it. <laughs> well... It's true though, right? It's like you're yeah. it's it's you're in the you're in the minority all of a sudden. Yeah, and I think and the problem for me, Al, is this I'm I'm still like now I can be sat there and think, Oh, this is happening, and then I go, Oh fucking hell, I'm not, I'm not drinking that. And I, and I just I'm at the point now where I just can't associate a good time. Like the first thing Joanne in the office said to me, she was like, What what about the works party? Like what everyone looks forward to, yeah, and I was like, What about it? She was like, well, we're not having one. And I was like, well, we still have one. You know, but we'll go for a meal instead of just going on the lash. You know, we ate last year because we couldn't do one. I set two big marquees up here in the yard, got a big fire going. We had the, we had a sound system on and just invited everyone here. It was it was probably the best work to do we had, but it was because everyone was fucking mullered. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I'm like, I still, I'm still going to struggle to associate having a good time. No, I understand. I understand. My, my, my own mum said to me, she said, oh, you're just going to turn into a fucking miserable bastard now then, aren't you? And I was like, what, what, wow. So I've just sat here and told you I'm doing it for my health yeah. and yeah. for my kids. And you said, she liked, she, I could tell in effect, and I knew she'd be the hardest conversation to have. And I was like, she was like, she was fucking disgusted with me. <laughs> how dare you <laughs> I can see this being a bit like you know when someone's trying to get in shape and they're like they feel like they've got so much to do so they don't start so they've got to tidy up their diet they've got to exercise they've got to get their steps in they've got to get their sleep right and what you've just described sounds like even I'm thinking fuck that's, the, that's a lot to miss out on I think this is going to be a classic case of like let, let's just focus on today right well, listen what I, what I said to look when I meet because none of them were trying to what I'd said is this, what I would like to be, in my mind, this is what I'd like to be. I'd like to be the guy that doesn't, is a non-drinker. So if anyone asks you, I'm a non-drinker. My wife, my wife would probably have a drink twice a year. So she she wasn't a non-drinker, but she never drank, she'd never like have half a lager, she'd never drink if we went anywhere. 
she would have, if we went to a wedding, say, or maybe on her birthday, she would have a drink. She wouldn't have a drink at Christmas dinner. She just wasn't interested in having a bit of a drink. She was brought up in a pub as well. That's, you know, and her sisters don't drink either. They've associated alcohol with problems, you see, abuse and fucking trouble. And, you know, they missed every Christmas day because the mum and dad were working and they just, you know, she, and then she had a, she had a, um, she had a bit of a, a party at the house for her birthday, had a couple of drinks and, and ended up in hospital. She was really, really poorly. So she just said, she went, would you be massively offended if I just give up drinking? And I was like, it doesn't make a difference to me. I just said what he said, taxi driver. So, it, so it, it, that's made it easier for me. Um, but I just, I said I would like to be the person that could. So like go to my mate's wedding and have a couple of beers at the wedding and then that's it. And then I'm not a drinker again, but the way I was being, it would have been, well, I have a drink the night before, like I said, and it, now the wedding, his wedding is in the, the stag do's first, which is in April. And I said to him, I can't start to try and think about going to Ibiza and having a drink. And I'm, and I'm with my brother lives in Vegas and my dad we're, we're, we're flying, me and my dad, are, I'm, I'm surprised, I'm going to surprise him, I'm going to fly in business class to Vegas in May, it's booked to see my brother. And, um, you know, for me, I'm like, that's, we're going, we're flying business class, so that that's free beer on the plane. But my dad, my dad loves, my dad's whole life has revolved, I mean, he, he's, he had some issues with his liver, but he, he was a big drinker, my dad, and he loves a beer, that's, that's his life, you know, he's like, let's go for a beer, you know, and, so I can't start to wrap my head around that yet. So what I said to the lads was, I'm going to, this is what I'm going to do. If anyone asks, I've gone sober because that's the only way that, so when I was trying to do this time of, oh, I'll only do X amount of days, then I'd go to my dad's on a hot day and he'd be like, yeah, so I've poured you a drink. I'd go to pick the kids up and he'd already poured me a cold beer. It's in a frosted glass, you know, with the, So I'll be like, yeah, yeah, go on, have it. So I said, that the only way I'm going to get the support that I need is to tell everyone I'm, 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 I'm done, I'm sober. You know, make a big song and dance out of it, which is what I've done. And and that's helped me. Now, am I going to never have a drink again in my life? Who knows? What I, but what I've said is this. At the moment, the only decision I've got to make is whether I have a drink when I go to Ibiza on the 13th of April. So that's a long time away. And what we said is the compound effect of not having a drink between now and then and the, you know, the weight loss and, and the energy and everything else, the chances are I won't want to have a drink. Did COVID change anything for you in terms of health? Like what, what you feel about, you know, your weight? And... Do you know what? I've, 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 been, I've been overweight for so long and I've been okay with it. You know, and, I, and I've joked before and, I, and I've always, you know, like I said, like my, my brother jokes with me now. So I, I train kickboxing three times a week. I go to the gym three times a week. We go 5K, 10K walks. You know, I did the break point thing. I did, Dave Watson did a limitless thing. We, we did an 11 mile hike up the, the men dips. And I get, you know, and, and I'm and I'm best part of 26, 27 stone. So, and I, so I, I you know, I've got a smoking hot wife. I don't, I don't, um, I say, <laughs> I'm trying to choose my words. I say it doesn't affect my life. 
it's not, I'm not in enough, you know, what Marty once said to me was, you're not in enough pain to do anything about it. And that's what the lads really dipped into. And then, you know, we went back to being at school, you know, and being the fat kid at school and getting left out and getting left behind on the bike rides. And, 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 and all this stuff came out and I was like, so what I did was, um, I just started to mask that with aggression and it was either humour and if humour didn't work, then it was aggression. And and that's how I've kind of bulldozed my way through life. So, and it just became part of who I am. And so, yeah, when COVID happened, but even then I was like, yeah, I just go and get a job. Just, you know, I, I get to have my jobs early, brilliant. You know, made a joke of it again. Listen, the fact remains, you know, I, 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 I actually seriously say to my wife sometimes, you know, my wife's five foot. And, and like, she's, she's like that. And I'm like, you can't be physically attracted to me. And she's like, of course I am. It's like, you know, you're, you're a chubby chaser. That's that's your problem. <laughs> you know, and, and listen again. So there you go again, made, made a joke of it. But it's never been enough because I've never been, you know, I'm, I'm not sat rocking in my chair with, you know, with, with no wife, no kids, no job, no business, no, no friends. So it's, it's, it's always just, you know, I suppose in my mind, it's kind of served me or not not served me being the size I am. And I just... You could argue that that's the scary reason. That's that's where the fear should come from. <laughs> Do you know what the scary thing is? When I met my wife, I was 18 stone, right? And my dad said to me, if you're not careful the way you eat and drink, you'll be 20 stone. And I was like, no chance. And then I got to 20 stone and he was like, what do you weigh now? I was like, 20 stone. He was like, if you're not careful, you'll be 22 stone. I was like, nah. And then I was 25 stone. And then I was 26 stone. And, then, and, and at my heaviest, I was about four pound of 30 stone. Yeah. You know, and, and I've got pictures. And then what I would do is I would catch a, a glimpse of myself in a mirror or on a photograph and I'd be like, fuck, you know, you're a fucking tip. What are you doing? And that'd be it. Fucking crack a can open, and yeah, and, yeah. and I don't know whether psychological, um, you know, Chris Tibbetts talks about you know emotional eating, and that's the first time I've ever kind of heard anyone how he speaks about it, describe it as that. And I'm like, unless you get to the kind of root of it, um, because I've said this to you, I think, on numerous occasions, is you know, I consider myself to be, I haven't made always intelligent decisions in my life, but I consider myself to be quite intelligent, and I know. I know how to lose weight. And I'm not the person sat here going, oh, I can't understand why I'm this big. I just don't get it. Well, I know exactly why. Because yeah. if you consume 10,000 calories a day in alcohol and, and shit food, doesn't matter how many fucking times you go to the gym. Yeah, I don't think strategy matters either here. I think when emotion rules and you've got those emotional habits and emotional eating, emotional drinking, whatever it is, unless they're addressed, yeah, strategy goes out the window, right? Discipline, yeah. uh, they all go out the window. So I think from the experience I've got of working with guys, the, the, the people who do the best in terms of like goal achievement, and again, this probably goes a bit deeper than goal achievement, but when people are running away from something, so there's some pain and some fear, so like let's just say you losing the kids and the wife because your health deteriorates and, you know, through, through whatever. And then if you can have a bit of that around you and then something to chase as well. So not only are you running away from something, but you're running towards something. So you've got the fear kicking you up the ass and then you've got the, you know, the pleasure, the ambition, the challenge ahead of you. Yeah. So like, where, where's that line for you now with, with this, like the, the concept of booze 
being out of your life, you well, what, the, finance. What, what do you fill that void? So the other the other thing is uh, is the other thing was so we, um, my wife works. We both work full. We you know we, we work more than full time. Both of us, and um, we're busy. We have busy lives, and, and we use that as a really cool fucking story. So we might eat out three, four times a week, and then fill the void with takeaways for convenience and for and there was more to it than just the booze it was kind of a whole lifestyle thing and and i caroline made this quite difficult again because there's, there's now two and she you know she can fill a face and and I, so while we were away we agreed that the way to and she kind of she she would go if I confronted her on, on what I thought her part in it was, we would end up having a big row. And so and I had to get I had to get that side of it dealt with. So I wrote her a letter. So we agreed that he said, you know, one of the lads said, write her a letter and, and get your feelings out. You know, all this stuff that we've just seen and this emotion that we've seen and how important it is to you now to get a grip on this is um you know, she's probably never seen this because you've never shown her this side of vulnerable side to you because you are, you've played protector and you know you don't want to see this sort of. So I wrote her a letter and 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 so we've set some kind of goals together now. Um, it feels like for the first time we're kind of on board together. The no booze is such a massive thing for me. It's kind of that's the whole thing. It's that so so what you're talking about is the it's the no, no booze is connected to all of it. So trying to get to these next steps. Um, I'm currently just kind of gaining some momentum in my property investment journey. Um, and I need to be on fucking point. You know, all the, when we did that hot pen thing. Yeah. You know, the three year plan. Yeah. That, that, that guy can't, can't be the guy that's fucking can't get out of the chair and he's, you know, pissed out of his head all the time. So this, so so I've I've replaced it with the ambition of hitting these. You know, I made a declaration to you probably twelve months ago when we did twelve year twelve month plans and said to you, "I'll be the fucking guy hitting all these." Fucking dream on, mate. Fucking words, just words, mate. And do you know at the time I believed it. Mm. I like and, then a, and then a month goes by, and then you know what? Listen, I'll listen. I've achieved some. Like I've said to you. The, the other areas of my life have gone through the stratosphere. The one thing that's left for me to get my shit together with is was is is my weight, but that's connected to the booze without a shadow of a doubt. Do you notice the same patterns then? So, for example, drug addiction is something that you've beaten, right? So is this the same thing where, like, you know, this thing tears your life apart, it destroys you, you let it hang around for a bit, you beat it, and now it's on to the next... Thing was was the drug pattern the same? The drug pattern was very very different because it was very it was deviant behaviour, mate. So the 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 whole so so the <laughs> when I was um, you know kind of late teens, early twenties, I was I was you know my nickname was Steadyet. That that was my fucking net. People used to call me, that. and I was the guy that you know if 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 there was new ease to be tried, I I'd have to and and. You know, I'd be the I would be the clown. You know, I would sniff the most, eat the most, smoke the most, and 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 it was basically you put it in front of me, I'll take it. And then, and then I was introduced to um, 
to crack cocaine. And fucking, it was like, it, it, I struggle to even talk about it because if I talk about it for a sustained amount of time, if I see it on the telly, I just want to go out and get some. The, 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 I'm not sure if anyone watching or, or I, don't, I don't know what anyone's experience of it is, if they ever experienced it. And I say to people, don't ever fucking try it because it's the best thing you'll ever do in your life. And that, and that five seconds is what about the hit about last, the initial hit. You fucking, it's the best thing ever. And when I found that, fucking everything else just paled into insignificance. And um, that took, I, I, I was disowned by my family. Um, I was almost for a while, I was sleeping in my car, I was sleeping in my van, I was couch surfing. Basically everyone around me, you know, I was, I was stealing off people. I was, I was, I was, I was vile. That that my behavior, you know, I, I do things now. I do a lot of work with charities, and you know, my brother jokes and he says, he goes, "It'll never be enough. Whatever you're doing is never going to be enough to make up for what how you behaved and what you did. So fucking just stop. You don't need, you know, it is what it is. Accept that it's in the past, and it, and that was very. Um, I basically, when I hit rock bottom, I knew I had to act on that. Um, and although I was I was kind of disowned by my family, if you like. And my dad come and found me and, you know, and, and basically gradually we, we, I managed to kick that, but, but I kicked that. So that was kind of very much, you know, I could be old up in, in Manchester city center in flats and subways and fucking honestly, mate, if you'd have seen some of the places that we, we went and that we were, you know, crack dens, that's what they were. You didn't know, give a fuck, you know, and, and then, that, this is going to sound really stupid, but I knew the only way to wean myself off crack would be to start sniffing coke again. So that's what I did. I, I replaced the crack with the coke and, and I eventually kind of, and, and the only other thing is, so the only time I've never worked in my life was when I was kind of this, this short period when I was kind of really addicted to the crack. But other than that, even through all my habits, because I had quite a bad cocaine habit previous and after that, um, I've always kind of been functioning because I've always worked. So because I had because I had my trades, I could always kind of find work agency. I could find work with, you know, builders and friends who are old sparking companies. And so I always I always worked, and so I was a functioning drug addict. Um, I've been to rehab centres. I've been um, to, to to rehab that I was assigned by the police when I've been arrested. Um, and the only thing that actually snapped me out of it fully was me and my wife. Um, you know, I, I, I was talking about this when my mum came the night. So I was, I, I, I ended up owing some quite serious people quite a lot of money. And my mum and dad bailed me out um, <clears throat> and then disowned me. I ended up getting in, that didn't stop me. I ended up getting in with some, in. so I was just taking the piss. I was just taking drugs off people and then just not paying taking big amounts of drugs off people and then saying, because I was involved with some quite serious people as well. And I thought that was enough that I could just take the piss out of people. Um, I ended up with my front door got kicked in. A lot of lads came in, CS gassed me, um, set about me with, with baseball bats, um, broken ribs, torn knee cartilage, smashed ankles. Uh, that didn't stop me. Um, I was stabbed. That didn't stop me. Um, 
we were, it was just a culture of, um, so it was just that there was that drug culture and, and that culture of being around them people. And then I'd, I'd come up here, I had nowhere to stay, and we had to get off for a little bit. And so, so I, I lived in um, a place called Denton, which is just outside Manchester City Centre. And where I live now is is only like ten miles up the road <clears throat> into like just at the bottom of the um, like the Snake Pass before you go over the kind of the Pennines. So it's, it's a little bit more rural, and it was like we thought we were getting out of the way. And at that point, I went in a pub and met my wife. Um, she was working behind the bar, and and I was you know full of confidence and fucking powder, and and we got chatting. And, and what happened was she was very much a straight member, and our relationship kind of started to progress and and then one night we were out and I just pulled a bag of coal cart and like tips on the table and she was like nah she just got up and walked out anyway she was like we, we got a chatting a couple of days after and I was like you know what 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 where's this going and she was like well I'm telling you now it's going nowhere while you're doing that so if that's the life you want to lead that's fine that's up to you but I'm not having any part of it. I can't be around that and the stuff that you're involved in. And so that's a choice. Still at that point, I, I was like, Phew, you're fucking telling me what to do. I'm not being fucking told what to do. And then 6th, 5th of Feb, 2006, there was an incident, um, quite a serious incident involving a lot of people who, who I was involved with. I was there um, and it just was like, this is fucking, someone's going to end up dead. You know, we're all going to end up locked up. Um, so I just made the decision. And, and I remember getting up in the morning. So it was the 6th of Feb, the morning I got up, uh, was on my mate's couch. I snapped my SIM card in half, threw it away. And I never fucking set a foot back in the place. And I haven't seen any. So these people that I was with daily, on a daily basis, I literally got up, left them one night, and I've never seen them again since. So when you say... Uh an incident happened, you mean it like kicked off at stupid levels and someone got hurt or? So they'd been, they'd been, um, they'd been, I'm, I'm having to be careful at what I say. Yeah. Um, so they'd been, they, it started there was a, with an incident in a, um, this was a long time ago where, and this was kind of when I knew how serious these people were, we were in a, they'd been, there'd been an argument with, with some lads about, football and, and, and someone's girlfriend had got fucking slapped or something had happened. It had kicked off. These We'd, we'd ended up in a bit of a, a fight. These lads got a bit of a shoe in. Off they went. Told us we were coming back the day after. Um, long, st- long story short is they came back in the day after and, and, and shot four of us. Not me, but but the, the people I was with. Just, you know, and and that was kind of the start of to and fro in between. Um some pretty serious incidents. And even at that point, although at that point, it was the most scared, you know, I'm not, listen, what being involved with that world as much as it was and as glamorous as it was, clarified for me that I am not a gangster. Yeah. And now did I want to be, I just wanted my mum. And that happened. Because that, listen, and every, you know, I laugh now, especially up here where I am. You see, I see some of the young lads, and you know, and you know what I mean when I say plastic gangsters, you know, and and I just think you haven't got a fucking clue. And that was that was me, and and I was like involved in this, and it was so good and so glamorous and so you know the the respect that everyone commanded, and just being around these people, and 
listen, let me tell you, when people start shooting at you, that's when you know, mate. You either are, and there was lads that night that were because they were running at the bullets as we were running away from the bullets. Um, it wasn't enough to stop me, but it was kind of enough to know that it was serious and kind of start questioning things. And then as time went on, and there was more incidents with with you know the sim- similar sorts of things happening, retaliations and this, that, the other, and, and that was kind of how things started to get dealt with. And I was like, this is just not for me. Yeah, yeah this is what I'm reading about at the minute. It's I think every every young guy, every guy wants to be aligned to something and have some form of purpose and some form of identification. And the easiest way often is with other crowds of lads that are searching for the same. So you end up in gangs, you end, but at least you're aligned to something. You know, people go to war because they. I, mean, I wanted to be accepted. No, I was quite badly bullied at school, and, and I've said this before. I've joked with my dad and say it's your fault because you left us. You know, my mum made us mad. Um. And I, and I wanted to be accepted, and, and I moved up through the kind of ranks of. So I moved, I moved to, to to that area while I was still at school, and 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 got in with the lads who were, you know, the the the, the re- lads who had a reputation, and people were scared of them. And then I met all the lads through them, and I jumped up a rank, and then up again, and and I all these lads kind of grew up and got wives and kids and jobs, and and I carried on and and with the other lads because the more the more kind of glamour of it and, it and it is a very very glamorous life um you know everything that goes with it drugs women you know fear respect all of that by association not necessarily out of merit sometimes you know um and it was very difficult to give up but i kind of knew that you know of, the, of that crowd of people now two are dead two are locked up one's addicted to heroin and I don't know what what because I obviously hear through the grapevine what what's what's kind of been going on. Um, what I didn't know is when I disappeared, my dad was still living in that area at the time. And I only found out it's out years later. Was they, they turned up at the house on numerous occasions, demanding to know where I was, and basically saying to me, "Dad, we'll burn your house down. We'll fucking kneecap you. We'll do this. That you don't tell us where he is." Um, and he he just stood his ground and said, "We'll do what you got to do. I don't tell you nothing." Because he didn't want me, but, you know, he, he was protecting me. Yeah. I didn't realise that now. I didn't realise how fucking stupid he was. Anyway, nothing, you know, but 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 again, I think the only reason nothing happened to me is because these guys knew me, Dad. They were my friends. You know, they used to come to my house. You know, they'd sit and have beers in the garden with me, Dad. They weren't they weren't strangers. They were, you know, but but they were serious people. And, and they, they obviously didn't know. Because I and literally, I wouldn't know what to say to them now. Because nothing happened. We didn't fall out. It was just this incident. And obviously, I just decided that that was that was enough for me. Um, so, for a young guy then who's who's got himself out of that mess, and there'll be, uh, like I said, there'll be lads watching this that might not know what their next move is, or or or, or so on. How much of a role has a business played in your life? Because I know you know you're a successful businessman now, and then B, like just putting yourself in a different group of gentlemen, so guys who are now rather than into the things that we've talked about, yeah. More, now, you know, self-development, self-improvement, growing business, being better husbands, being better dads. Like, how important are those two things for you? So the business thing for me was kind of a fluke in that. So I never set off to want to be in business. Uh, I was kind of unemployable because I was I would not turn up. So I would, I would be unreliable. So I wouldn't turn up on a Monday. I won't turn up on a Friday. Um, the only person who would employ me at the time was my stepdad, who was a builder, which is where the transition went from 
electrician, which is what I was trained as from leaving school. I wasn't. I actually went. I was pursuing law when I left school. I did A level law, got a place at uni, and, and rejected it because um, I, I found drugs and beer and women and fun. Um, went down the route of, of electrical, and then couldn't basically hold the job down. So my stepdad took me on at his building company. Um, what happened then was I set up. I was still selling drugs. So what happened then was I was I set up a business. I set up an electrical. I bought a van. I set up an electrical contractors. So to every for everyone else, to my mum, my dad, my brother, everyone that knew me, I would get up in the morning and go out to work in my work gear, and I would drive around to a pub that my mate owned, and I'd sit in the pub all day selling drugs. So the business the business was formed as a cover, just to keep everyone off my back. And then someone would go, oh, can you just come and do this for me? And and believe it or not, it just grew from that. So, and it, and it all of a sudden became the fact that, you know, I could go out and do a couple, at the time it was like, I can go and do a couple of hours work and earn the same money in a couple, working, proper working this time. Um, and, and, you know, rather than going working for someone else, I can get up when I want, I can go and do a couple of hours. And then as I got busier, and started to kind of deliver, we were in more demand and it just became, I suppose, and this goes back to the booze as well. So I've, you know, some people call it an addictive personality. I'm very much all or nothing. So when I kind of get my teeth stuck into something, so whether that be drugs, that was right. I was all in. Taking drugs, I was all in. Partying, I was all in. Yeah. So it's the same. Once I've got this kind of bug for business, I was all in and I was like, you know, there was no having to motivate me to get up in the morning and go to work. And then as he became busy enough, I took a member of staff on and I was too tight to pay that member of staff to be laying in bed. So I was like, I'm fucking picking you up at eight. I'm dropping you off at five. That's it. And it literally, so me and that lad's still with me today, 16 years old. In fact, he's my, he's now my project manager. He's paid a hefty sum of money, you know, and we were both just young kids who, who liked to go out and enjoy ourselves. And we just, kind of go and do a bit of work for some people and there's something there's something you said to me that i'll always remember you saying because I, I you know i picked your brains a little bit on the the process of hiring staff didn't i and you, yeah you said, you said alex she said i'm too i'm too fucking nice she said i take on i was only supposed to take on like one apprentice so i end up taking on five because I, I did just, yeah i just want to give these young lads a, a shot yeah. and, and that's what happens they come in and they go oh yeah i'm, I'm a fucker and i've done work school and i'm you know, I've been on drugs and I've got two kids. I'm like, oh, you've got a job, mate. Come on. <laughs> you know, oh, mate, I'm, I've got a service, but I've been to jail and no one will give me a chance. I was like, listen, you can work here. Yeah. Yeah. And, and honestly, that, that was me. And, and I'm still fucking, I've just done that. So I've just done the same thing again. So we had, we had an, an electrical apprenticeship going and there were three interviewed for one job. One was a useless fucker. The other one was who was the right guy for the job. And then he was this kid come bouncing in and he was cheeky as fuck. And he, and he, he had some, he made some smart-ass remarks. And then he went and Joanne was like, I know what you're going to say. She went, please tell me we're taking number two on. I was like, mm. she was like, we're second and both on, aren't we? I was like, yeah. Because <laughs> investing in people, yeah, you know, and, and, and that's, Business and family, you know, it's like a family. One of the customers said to me tonight, you're like a dysfunctional family. Yeah, and we are, and that's, we we are, the business for me has been something to throw myself into. And also, 
what happens with growth, I think, is it creeps up on you. So I went from me and Brownie in that van doing little bits of jobs to, um, you know, 11 lads, premises, vans. Um, and sometimes I have to, and, and, I've, and I've really kind of, this is what I've learned most about um, what we do within our coaching programme. And that is to kind of sit back and appreciate where, where you've come, how far you've come. Yeah. You know, when I met my wife, I was still a drug addict. I was homeless. You know, I was sleeping in, I was sleeping in a Ford Mondale. It was a mistake. And I used, and she used to joke, she used to, I used to run out of petrol because, and she'd bring me petrol. I'd ring her and say, I run out of petrol again. Because in the winter, I used to have to get, start the engine keep the engine running for like an hour to get it warm and then try and get to sleep before it went fucking freezing. Yeah, and I'd be sleeping in my car in the pub car park and my mum would bring me food out and, you know, and so I went from that to where I am now, you know, I own several, you know, I own multiple properties. I own, you know, several vans. I've got premises. I've got, you know, I live, not quite living in the house of my dreams, but it's not far off. You know, you, you know, I sent you the pictures. We've done it with... We do the work and I go, you know, my kids don't want for anything. Um, and so for me, you know, I, I, things it, it's been a success and that's very much down to um, what happened was I, no one teaches you how to be a businessman. So you just heard how I progressed in business, right? So all my business lessons have come through fucking my mistakes and I, and there's been some costly I've had businesses I've invested in businesses thinking I was fucking Alan Sugar yeah businesses I know nothing about invested money in invested time in that have failed badly and in 2017 when I tried to take over the world because that my ultimate aim was to be the biggest you know in our area construction wise and everything else We've got these big premises. We've got all these. I've got brand new vans for all the staff. Everything signed written up. It was all about the image and what people could see. And I was a big two fingers up to everybody. And I remember the accountant coming to see me in November in the 2017. And he was like, I thought, what's he doing here? And he was like, um, so I've done the books. He said, then um, you've turned over 1.3 million. I was like, ah, not bad for a fucking fat crackhead, eh? And he was like, yeah, apart from you've spent 1.47 million. So you're now insolvent to the tune of 170,000 pound. And I was like, okay, what, what, what an hour? And he was like, no, no, you need to listen to what I'm saying. That's you finished. And I was like, what? I don't understand. He's like, you, the business is done. It's you, you, you're going, you bump, you're going bump. And people that say, well, you're a limited company. Don't worry. Be a limited company and don't worry. If anything goes wrong, just fold it. It's the biggest load of shit that I've ever heard. It doesn't it doesn't mean anything. Limited liability. There were some things that, that were limited liability. A hefty VAT bill actually got, got wiped. Um, but the pot, the second part of it was most of the other stuff that I were, most of the other creditors, the account holders, to the tune of 80 grand, was signed. There was a per, when you sign an account form and a wholesalers, what you're actually signing is a personal guarantee. So when the insolvency practitioners came in, there was like, I'm, and my wife had always, because she knows I'm fucking airbrained, she knows I'm impulsive, 
and I'd do mad shit and she'd say, she, you know, we pay, Kaz has got a really good job. She's really highly paid and um, she, we pay after everything. That, that's how we've always done it. We split the bills down the middle and she was like, you do what you want to do with your business. Sure, Caroline won't have a clue if this business earns 10 grand or 100 grand. She won't have a clue. She just wants to know that at the end of the month, have you put your half into the bills? That's it. Right. So she used to say to me, you do whatever you want with your fucking airbrain schemes because I'd be coming home and I'm like, guess listen to this business now. And she was like, don't fucking tell me. I don't know. <laughs> You're like, just promise me you'll never put this house at risk. What we've worked for, for all this time. And then there's a guy standing in front of me basically saying, yeah, the, the chances are they're going to come after your house if you don't sort it out. So did the same business, did you save that business or did you go on and create something new? So I, I, I bought that business back but that was the point where that was the point where I saw Paul's video. Yeah, because I want to talk about this because I want to I want to make sure we get time for this. Yeah. So, this- so, so basically, what happened was it it was the it was a horrendous. I did I decided I wasn't going to tell my wife till after Christmas because it was the right thing. I didn't want to spoil Christmas for them all. So from the beginning of November till January, I sat in the knowledge that we could potentially be losing everything. She was fucking spending money like it was going out of fashion on the kids. But I kept it to myself and it, and it created some real, it was the darkest point of my life. And and then just pop, pause video as by fucking magic just popped up. And then that was where the kind of upward trajectory went. Yeah, let's let's give people a bit of context on the video. So Paul was our, you know, our mentor, our original mentor, Paul Moore. And Paul released a, a video that's had quite a few million views now, I think, of himself talking about times where he was that depressed, where he wanted to jump off a cliff and kill himself, right? Yeah, and for me, I wasn't... Su- let, let me just... I'll tell you what happened. I wasn't suicidal in what everyone would understand as being suicidal. So what... The reason I was suicidal is because I thought if I kill myself, then my wife and children will be financially okay because the debt dies with me. The house gets paid off. So it wasn't, I didn't want to kill myself. I didn't want to die. I didn't want to leave my family. I wasn't having dark thoughts like that. My thought process was if I end it, then they'll be okay. Yeah. And, but it was all the other stuff that he said. So every other bit of that video, apart from the, you know, the bit about not not staying at the office because you don't want to see your kids, the bit about fucking, you know, if you're thinking about going somewhere else, what do you think your wife's feeling? And and I was like, what the f-? And, it, and it was like he was in my head. And, you know, a lot of people in that program had listened to people like Tony Robbins and knew what self-development was. And I was like, who the fuck is this? I was never, I just, you know, we joke about my being a technophobe. I didn't join Facebook until I joined Paul's group. I don't even know what Facebook was. Still, my phone's a fucking, look, my phone is a BlackBerry. <laughs> yeah, with a keyboard. Yeah. So I didn't know what any of it was, and I couldn't, it was like, and then when I, when we met, when I met him, I went to the first thing, and he was fucking, and I was like, I wanted to rip his head off. For the first time he said cool story to me, I wanted to headbutt him. Yeah. Because he triggered the fuck out of me. And then as I started to, and then I became obsessive with him then. So everything he, I was following him and I was, I was, and I was saying to everyone who knew, look at this, look at this, what he's saying here. Look at this. You see this, what he, listen, doesn't that make sense? Doesn't that make, my dad, and everyone was like, fucking fuck off, will you? Yeah. Kaz was like, I'm sick of hearing his fucking voice. Because every video and, 
And but he was like he was in my fucking head. And then meeting you guys, and I've said this before, and I said this the other day about what when the lads have called me out, and I said I've surrounded myself with yes men all my life, people that did went along with what I said, and if they didn't agree with me, I made them agree with me or forced them to agree with me, and and that's how I got my way. Shout you down, yeah. And all of a sudden, I'm in a room full of people that just call bullshit on you, and I'm like, what? You know, yourself and so, some really big, you know, going in the past, Ben and, you know, Mark McPake and, and, and the lads who I'm like, I look at and think, fuck, you know, th- these are lads that are, these are, these are, these are people to aspire. I was the person within our group that everyone looked up to, that everyone came to, that everyone, you know, followed. And I never had that. And all of a sudden now I'm in a room with fucking 50 people like that who all fucking are better than me. And I don't mean that in a, that's not like a self-pity thing. That's like, you know, this thing of surround yourself. You know, if you're in a room with 10 cokeheads, we know what happens. Yeah, you become the 11th cokehead. To be in a room with people like you and people like them, other people I've just named, and everyone that's, you know, a lot of, not everyone, but a lot of guys that are in there who are, it's fucking inspiring. And, I again, same with the with the business. I didn't kind of see how far I'd come, and then all of a sudden, people would be remarking on the way I was dealing with things, and um, you know, the time I was, you know, I'd spend any time with my fucking family. I was at work trying to grow, you know, think, you know, go, giving it the oh, it's all for you. This why are you at work again? Why are you not fucking? Why have you got your phone walking up and down the beach and all day on the phone fucking screaming at people? Yeah, why are you do it? Why do you think these all these are fucking paid for? Yeah. Mate, the first time I left my holiday phone up, my phone at home on holiday, mate, anxiety through the roof. Different game, mate. I think what I love about the group in Unstoppable and any like large mentoring group, I love chain of command. So I love there being a leader. Yeah. There being like, uh, you know, guys that have been in the program for a while who nurture the new guy coming through. And I love that. So, you know, you're looking up and you're looking down and you're, yeah, that's the best position to be. It's like gra- it's like being a brown belt and grappling with a black belt and a white belt. It's good. You get to Correct. do both the best. So I think that's one of the best things for me about being in a large group. It's game changer. There's a lot of lads, dude, that haven't got that, haven't got any support, any good positive guidance in their life. And I think that's what a lot of lads... Do you know how we watched... We, we, we watched um, me and Matt walked onto the beach one day when everyone was fucking running up and down. And and, it, and I was like, <laughs> how would you explain to anyone that United are really sick fucking cult... and it's like people like oh you're going doing your wrestling on South Shields Beach oh you're fucking going meditating and I'm like and then that's kind of really swayed because someone like me to be so I I, I, it was like my dirty little secret for two years mate no one knew about it yeah no one knew about it and and when I started to open up about it a friend of mine we're on holiday and a friend of mine was like What's happened to Steve? Like he's like the most calm, and he's this. And Cass was like, "Tell him about it." And tell him about you fucking meditating in the garden. And she was like, "What?" Mm. And this girl was particularly into it. And I was like, "I do this and I do this." She was like, "I'm. It's amazing. It's just fucking amazing." Yeah. The Wim Hof stuff. I had lads who would take the piss. Who would then leave the group of people we were with and then ring me and go, "Any chance I come out do the ice bath thing with you?" <laughs> yeah, so we sat cross-legged in the garden doing fucking Wim Hof breathing in our fucking swimming trunks. Yeah, nice, man. It's a different life. I know that, dude. Listen, we we've got one minute to wrap this up, but here's what I want to do: like, just to any guys struggling a little bit, and I, it doesn't have to be a similar situation. It doesn't have to be drugs or loads of booze or anything, but just somebody who's stuck. 
who's probably on their own, who's probably knows they're not getting the best out of themselves, who might be a bit depressed, might be a bit down, lost. Like, what advice would you give them? Go, you know, from the you've back got, of everything you've been through, you've dude. You've got to get it. You've got to get in a group. You've got to get in in any group. It doesn't matter who it is, and, and you've got to you've got to, you've got to leave your ego. Your ego the ego is a big one. Um, but you've got to get around people that are gonna. Everyone will fucking drag you down. You know, it's a couple of big things for me. Turn the fucking news off. Yeah. Manage your time on social media. Manage your time between yourself and, and being at work. But you can only going to do that if you're accountable to, to people that are like, you just touched on it. You know, I, my kids both train kickboxing and I say to them, there's a couple of kids in there who are better, quite a lot better than them. You train every day. They're like, you know, the sponsored fighters. And I'm like, when it comes to sparring, go and seek them out. You go and seek Stanley out, and she's like, you know, and I'm like, don't if you go in there with the white belts, you're gonna learn, you're gonna kick the head in, and you're gonna, but you're gonna learn nothing. You've got to be, it's all right, like you say, being around them people. To, but that only makes you feel good short term. For me, you've got to fucking surround yourself with, you know, I, 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 I am so thankful to be like I've just said around, around people like yourself and Paul and uh, and a lot of them guys in there. That for me. I put up here on a pedestal because you smashed it, and that and that that keeps me hungry for what what I'm doing, um, and it, and it keeps you accountable to a fucking level. And before you know it, your level is pretty fucking. And we see that, don't we? When the younger guys come in, the newer guys, not younger guys, come in the group. You're like, you can see, you're like, fucking. I remember when, we, or like, it triggers some people. And I'm like, we were like that once. Yeah, we, we, our level of training now, the level of repetition that we've done. But I'd have never done, you know. I consider coming out of unstoppable last year. I, 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 it's, it's not, it's not the thing to do. It's just not the thing to do because, you know, for for that, you know, and you you've got you've been very successful now with DX, and 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 that's because you you are you lead the fucking charge, and the guys are all holding each other accountable, and it matters, and, and you know, because you care about what other people. Everyone cares about what other people think. Whatever you say, whatever anyone says. They care about it, and so you're holding. Your, if you've got no one to answer to, you're just gonna fucking, you know. Even if it's actually misses and kids, it's fucking bullshit, really. You don't, you don't, you know. I, I step up most days because of who's watching me. Steve Brock, we'll leave it there, my man, mate. Thank you very much, man. I appreciate your honesty, by the way. I'm sure, people will listen to that, and like, I can feel people's relief just go fucking out. Someone's saying it how it is. So I appreciate you, brother. Thanks for. Uh, I apologise for the uh, tardiness again. Worries, mate. Very embarrassed. Yeah. Mate, you're a top man. Appreciate you, bro. Thanks. Take it easy. Cheers, brother. Mate, you're the fucking man.